0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Is there something in your life? If there's something in your life that you didn't have it anymore, it would be really hard to function. Is there something in your life that it, it, that's day to day And if I took it away That you'd be like I don't know what to do with myself anymore it, it could be something simple And I think if you made a top three list For many of you you'd be like I'm gonna need my caffeine, right? Like I'm gonna need my coffee. I'm gonna need my Mountain Dews. I'm gonna need my Dr. Peppers. Whatever. You're like, I don't know how to function without it. it. Could be simple like that. For for many people, it's probably your phone, right? Like phone. Like I don't know what to do if I didn't have this. It's maybe a computer. It's a job. Maybe it's a person for you. Like I don't know how I would function if I just, you know, me and you just talking. And I'm like, you give me your top three. What would be those things that you're like, I can't function without? this. It's it's almost indispensable. Think about those things as we move on today in our series entitled Anchored. And in this series, we're talking about decisions that we need to make in life. And I want to be really clear this morning. This series isn't just like me teaching the Bible. It's not just a Bible study. This series isn't, and teaching isn't just something to inform you. Okay. This series is <clears throat> for these first couple of months. Is um me throwing out potential anchors that will be very helpful, be very grounding in your life. These anchors are meant for us that we stop drifting aimlessly. These anchors are meant to help us stop drifting without purpose, without direction, without conviction, that these anchors are things that help us so we don't end up drifting in spaces and places that I've said every week. They'll eventually destroy us us. We don't see them from a distance, but as we drift into them, the closer we get, the more we see, oh no, where have I found myself? But I also want to tell you there's a reality of these conversations. There's a reality of these conversations that I can talk week after week. I can bring truth to you every week. I can bring something where you even say, Scott, that was great, I agree with you. But it does not matter if we don't see some changes in our life. It does not matter what I say on Sunday morning if it's actually not something we put into application for our lives because we are responsible For our own life. We have to get to a point where we aren't pointing fingers at other people, but we're looking at ourselves and saying, we are responsible for the things that we are anchored to. We are responsible to the things that we attach ourselves to. When because whatever we attach ourselves to ends up making the decisions for our life. Do you know that? Whatever ends up being your anchors ends up being the things you value. Ends up being the things that you attach yourself to those things make the decisions for your life I'm gonna give an example this week. I got a text from a friend from one hope He said scott my life has never been busier He says scott with the kids and work and inside and things. He's like my life has never been more chaotic But he said, scott I took the challenge from the first week He said, I'm walking through scripture every day for this year. And he said, in the midst of the craziness of life, I always look forward to the first 15 to 20 minutes every single day in reading his word. And he said to me, he said, Scott, it's changed my life. It's changed how I function. Like, I wouldn't be the same if I didn't do this day to day. What's he doing? He's putting down an anchor. What he's doing, he's putting down, he's making intentional decisions to put down an anchor. And he's putting down the anchor that we talked about the first week. He's putting down the anchor of having a truth beyond his truth. A truth higher than his filter, his belief, his experiences. He has a truth that he is attaching himself to God's Word. And that was the first anchor. And then the second week, you know, we moved to um, the anchor of freedom found in Jesus. We're equipping you. If you want to know more about that, those set free to live free classes on Sunday mornings are starting because we want to help you live in that freedom. And I said that week that Jesus' first message that Luke tells us about is a message on freedom. He declares, "This is why I've come." That was the second anchor. The third anchor was a lifestyle that if we're going to become more like Jesus every day, we need to be people have an anchor to a lifestyle of servanthood. We are people who wash feet the way Jesus did. And then the fourth week, last week, we're going to be anchored to his forgiveness through through confession and repentance. Anchored to his forgiveness through confession and repentance. That's where we ended. And so today, we move on to anchor number five. All right, we're going to anchor number five. And can I start today by reading where we left off last week? Where we left, and I left off last week with Revelation chapter 3 the, the book that John wrote from the island of Patmos Where God was speaking to him and said Write down what I say to you to the churches And this is what he wrote in Revelation chapter eight, He said, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline So be earnest and repent that, Remember that conversation here I, here I am, I stand at the door and knock If anyone hears my voice And opens the door I will come in And eat with that person And they with me We ended there And it ended last week Where I hopefully was um, reminding us Maybe for some Cementing in us in a deep place That the reason God calls us to repentance Is not because he's a God that's angry The reason he calls us to repentance Is not just to avoid hell No, the reason he calls us to repentance is because he wants relationship with us. He wants to be in our lives. This is the point of of the meal analogy. He wants to come into our lives. He wants to sit down. He wants to be with us. It's about relationship. See, where sin separates, repentance reengages the relationship. Sin separates, hurts the relationship, repentance re-engages that relationship so that's where we ended we ended with the idea of relationship but as i said we're moving on to anchor number five today i've got a question for you why do you think there's a handful of stories or more than a handful actually of stories where it tells us that jesus retreated jesus went somewhere to pray do you actually know it says that in the Gospels? Many times it says, Jesus went to pray somewhere. If you're not familiar, I want to walk us through some of this. And, and to make it easier this morning, um, the places I'm going to go are the Gospel of Luke, okay? We're going to have three different places, and that way you don't have to jump around a bunch. But we're going to start in Luke chapter 5. So if you've got Bibles, you've got phones, if you want to follow along. Um, the first story I want to tell you, the place where Jesus retreats, is Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Let me read it for you While jesus was in one of the towns A man came along who was covered with leprosy When he saw jesus he fell with his face to the ground and begged him Lord if you are willing Can you make me clean? Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man he says I am willing he said Be clean and immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Do not tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news spread about, uh, news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But verse 16, But Jesus often withdrew the lonely places and prayed. Think of this scene. Think of this scene. Think about what it's like to be Jesus in this moment. What would it be like to be in his shoes? What would it be like to carry the things that were on his plate? Why did he withdraw withdraw into these lonely places as it says why would he need to do that think about that story about his life why he would say is necessary for him to retreat second story luke chapter 6 it's just one chapter beyond so we want to flip the page of luke chapter 6 and this is 12 through 19 it says one of those days One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Here we go. He's out to the mountainside to pray. And spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, who was named Peter his brother Andrew and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he went down with them, and he stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples went there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those, people, those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because the power was coming from him, healing them all. Again think about jesus's life why do you think he spent a whole night retreating to a mountainside and spending time and praying to god what was on his plate what was he carrying what was he walking through what was going on in his life that he would need that third story luke chapter 22 Luke chapter 22. It said, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed, them, followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw away and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven heaven, appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, this story is setting up, right? You know what's coming up after this. When you think of this moment in Jesus' life, and death is about to be his story. Pain is about to be his story. Three times. Three times of, of more that I could read to you. Three times where Jesus said on a, uh, went on a regular basis off to pray. You know I read three times But you know there's got to be more Because there's another part of scripture Where it says the disciples come up to Jesus And they say to him Will you teach us how to pray Jesus we see this as a regular part of your life So teach us how to pray Jesus we see that you do this often It has become a habit in his life Teach us how to pray So I ask you again, like I already asked you, why did Jesus retreat to spend time in prayer? Why did he do this so often? Well, here's my hypothesis. I think Jesus knew that without prayer, it would be impossible to maintain the relationship with God that he needed to live the life he was called to live say it again to you jesus knew without prayer it would be impossible to maintain the relationship with god that he needed in order to live the life that was needed to live last week we ended with relationship Last week we ended with what God wants is relationship with us and the vehicle to get there is this confession repentance that we grow this relationship with Him. But the question is though, after that, how do you maintain relationship? How do you grow relationship? How do you live in the relationship that God wants to have with you, that wants to have with me? See, this may be the missing link actually In my life, sometimes I notice, maybe for you, this may be the missing link, because the question for you is, do you actually think you need a relationship with God to get through life? And by relationship, I don't mean um, the profession of, I believe in you, Jesus... And and I need your forgiveness. That's needed. That statement, that belief, that power it, it's non negotiable. We need that. But that's not the relationship I'm talking about. It's not just a declaration of Jesus, I believe in you. No. What I'm saying is, do you think you need a relationship with God enough that prayer becomes non negotiable in your life? Do you think you need a relationship with God to get through life enough That you will say a non-negotiable what I need is a prayer relationship where I'm spending it time with God I had a conversation with a guy this week His name is Jared and he said uh, he's talking about he has one of those polar plunge tubs You know those polar plunge tubs? Got that, and he's like, I I do this every morning. I forget what the temperature was—30 degrees or something. I don't know. But he does like I do this every morning. I'm like, okay. He's like, you need to do it. I'm like, okay, we'll see about that. I'll pray about that. It's good. I'm with you. But he's like, no, Scott, seriously. Like I get in this every morning, and I do it because like inflammation or or pain. You know, it does so much for me of recovery. He's like, but even more than that, he said, Scott, my brain, my mind is so much more clear. So much happens when I do this. And this is what he said. He said, my day is different if I don't do it. He's like, Scott, my day is so much different if I don't do this. And I'm thinking about that statement. My day is so much different if I didn't do this. So for him right now in this season of life, it's non-negotiable. I need to do this to function the way I know I should function to live the life that I'm supposed to live. And and I'm thinking about this and I wonder if Jesus would say that same statement. My life would be so different if I didn't pray consistently. That prayer is a non-negotiable for me if I'm going to live the life that I'm called to live would Jesus say the same statement that my friend Jared said to me? I think Jesus believed that he needed a relationship with God the Father so much that prayer was a non-negotiable for him to function in life. But The question as I walk through this, though, really, what does prayer look like? If I read these stories, I begin to digest, I begin to break down. What do I see in these stories I read for you today, and stories that, that are also in, in the Gospels that I read, what do they look like? And for me, there's two consistent elements that are part of what's going on in Jesus' prayer life. And if you, you're a note-taker, I'll tell you there's just two. And I'll say the first one is an intentional time alone. Intentional time alone as you see it's not no-brainer, right? He got away for remote areas He got away in remote areas, but I want to look at less at where he went And the idea of why he went I want to look less of like a mountainside or a garden or wherever it was he went less at that and more why did he have to retreat to these remote areas for intentional time alone what was he getting away from because the reality is if he's getting away from some things do we need to get away from it as well did his life look like our life and we often wouldn't compare our life with Jesus but life is life And I look at, and I'm like, okay, in these stories, what do I see him getting away from? In categories, this is how my brain works. I'm like, okay, what is it? And maybe you can relate to it. And there's four things I think he's getting away from. Distractions, temptations, stresses, and people. Distractions, uh, temptations, Stresses And people, I know that, that these can overlap with each other in some way, but let's just ask you for a second. Are these issues in your life you can relate to? Do you have distractions? Do you have temptations? Do you have stresses that are weighing you down? Are there people that you need to extract from because the effects on your life is there a chance that you need to walk away from some of these things That you need to extract yourself from these distractions. You need to extract yourself from certain people. You need to extract yourself from certain stresses. You need to get away because of the effects on your life. And Jesus was smart enough, wise enough, passionate enough to say, I need the relationship with God. I need to work through certain things. So I need to get away. Because these things have a hold on me. These things have an effect on me. So the first thing I see is, he, 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 the reason he retreats is for intentional time alone. But the second thing is because he needs a personal connection with God. Why did Jesus retreat? I think he needed to connect and talk to the one he trusted the most, God the Father. He needed to retreat so he could connect to the one that really was trustworthy, was faithful, that he could give his life to. But let's talk about prayer in the Jewish culture for a second Prayer in the Jewish culture was a very vocal Still is a very vocal thing you may remember a story Let's see, A story where uh, People are warned That don't go out into public And pray really extravagant Really uh, you know, flowery Beautiful prayers Where people can hear And, and he says um, if you do that You've received your award No instead go to a place that's private Right and, and, and it says That if you do that God will meet you there He will hear you from heaven. Okay. The problem wasn't the speaking the prayer. That's actually how prayer is done was done in Jewish culture. The problem was the motive. But still it was to go into a private place and and and, and say your prayers. And what you'll see in Jewish culture often is these prayers are Often prayers from Psalms. You Kalikas know, today in worship read Psalm 145. There's lots of Psalms where you see there are prayers, prayer, like many different kinds of prayers in the book of Psalms. They would read these aloud in a connection with God. There's a prayer that would be spoken every day, even together in Jewish culture, called the Shema. And you find this in Deuteronomy, and I'll read a little portion from this. It says this in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Now, as for you, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And it continues. They would recite this verbally every day, they would do this together. If you ever go to Israel with me, if we ever can get back there, go to Israel, we'll, I'll take you to the western wall. The western wall is the closest place to the temple grounds, the temple mount, that the Jewish people cannot get there now. It's the closest place, and you will walk down, and you will see people um, just praying. But it's not a quiet prayer. It's a very vocal prayer. It's a very active prayer. They'll pull out their scriptures and read their prayers out loud. It's just, it's it's as if they're, they're having a personal conversation with God, a, a God that's not far off, a God that is close. I think Jesus, in his prayers, was very vocal in having a conversation to connect with God. But as you look at these prayers, sometimes wonder oh, what are in these prayers. Do you ever struggle with praying? prayer is supposed to function? Was well, I look at the prayers in Psalms, I look at the prayers that Jesus spoke, I look at prayers, I, once again, I just once again how my brain works, I'm like, okay, what are the elements of these prayers? And for me, I see four things all the time through these connections with God as people prayed, and for me, there's expressed love, there's expressed surrender, There's expressed gratitude, and there's expressed need. In these prayers, we see this connection with God, this vocalizing and expressed love for who He is. In these prayers, you see an expressed um, surrender because He is Him and we are us and there's giving Him the seat of authority and He's the King. In these prayers, we see an expressed gratitude. God, I see where You are working. God, I see what You've done. I see what You can do. I've seen these things and then there's an expressed need. God, this is what's going on in life. This is where I am. This is where I'm hurt. This is where I'm fill in the blank. Expressed need. That that Jesus needed time, intentional time, alone. Get away from things so that this connection with God the Father was a personal thing. and, And he expressed these things as he prayed. As I look at the life of Jesus... I see an example for me I see an example for me because can I just tell you like prayer is not a natural thing for me I know people who prayer is like the air they breathe I'll tell you my wiring is you know me enough I'm wired a little tight sometimes I'm wired to want to get things done I'm wired to I like fixing problems I'm wired for relationship with other people. I'm wired to say, like, I, I'll just I'll get something done. I've got, I've got strengths, and I've got giftings, and, I've got, and I'll just do it. I'll just get it done. Is there a task? I will do it. And there are times in my life where I need to push myself to stop and get away. I almost have to force myself because it doesn't come naturally. It actually can feel stressful to do this. Have you ever felt that, that prayer can be stressful because you're thinking about the things you're not getting done and your mind is racing towards here and you're like, I can't stop, I've got things to do. This maybe is the purpose of prayer. Of stopping and reminding ourselves the need for God in our life. That maybe this, this getting away, this retreating that Jesus did was a reminder of his weaknesses, reminder of the need for God to work in his life. And I don't know if it was easy for Jesus or not. All I know is that he did it. Because he knew he'd be missing out on some things if he didn't do it. And I know from personal experience I miss out on things when I don't do it. I know I miss out on things. I'm lacking things in my life when I don't step away stop and spend time in prayer. Can I tell you a few of these things that I've I've recognized that I've experienced that I'm missing when prayer is not consistent in my life. See, when I have prayer in my life, you know what I receive, you know what happens in me? I live in a unique, I think supernatural calmness. There's a the calm sometimes we call it peace. There's something that happens when I step away and I, and I stop myself and I begin to pray. There's a calmness that comes. And it's almost like in the middle of the situation, stress begins to evaporate. The, the, the situation doesn't always, but how I'm walking through changes. There's a calmness that comes. And I'll say to you this morning, if, if you aren't experiencing peace or calmness, How active is retreating, stopping to pray? Maybe the reality is you're looking for something, but you're missing out on it because prayer isn't part of your relationship growth. You're maintaining the relationship with God that we need to live our life. Maybe God wants to give you calmness, give you peace, but you don't do the necessary thing to step away and say, God, I want you to give this to me. And so you, it almost can be frustrating. It almost can bring some like, like, why don't I have this? I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I even love Jesus. I'm so thankful, but I'm not living in peace. What is wrong? Well, I think to live in it, we have to live in this relationship with Him. I think a relationship with God at a deep level brings a calmness. It happens through prayer. I think what happens in my life, and I see in the story, Jesus' life, specifically in the Garden of Gethsemane, it talks about that what we receive is a strength beyond ourselves. A Strength for perseverance. To, to keep going when you don't think you can go anymore. A strength to carry things that on your own are too heavy, but when you pray, all of a sudden there's a lifting that happens and a perseverance that's given. Was it saying to send me? An angel came and gave him strength, and he prayed more earnestly. It's almost inspiring of like this is what I get when I pray and it actually pushes me to pray more because I see the strength that I get strength for perseverance but also strength for temptation when temptation is at your doorstep and temptations keep defeating you the reality is defeat will be your story until prayer becomes your strength You don't kick temptation just with mind over matter and personal just grit. Prayer is a resource, a battling tool for you to push back and find strength in the temptations of life. I sense this, I feel this when I actually do what I see Jesus doing. The third thing is I think we receive wisdom. Wisdom for decisions and wisdom for discernment You have decisions to make every day Some are smaller and they're short-term some are bigger and long-term And you have decisions. What do I do? What do I do? And you think like oh god doesn't really care about this little thing. I I, I disagree I think if we're ordering our life On what god is directing us then we need to pray about the big and the small And he gives us uh, Wisdom for decisions that need to be made. I would hate to walk into making decisions in life and not include God in them through prayer. He gives a discernment, too, for everyday life. How do I see people? How do I see situations? How do I have discernment to walk through the complexity of life? Can I just tell you I sense the difference when I'm walking through life and I'm just trying to figure things out versus when I'm walking through life and I'm praying and the Holy Spirit begins to give me discernment to see life. If you've never experienced it, you're missing out. Because God wants to give wisdom. Scripture tells us, pray for wisdom and you will receive it. And the fourth thing I I would say is healing. And sometimes that is physical. I believe that God answers prayers and physical healings. I've seen it, I've experienced it. I just believe God brings healings physically, but it's not just physically, sometimes it's mentally. My mind is filled with junk that this world is throwing at me. My mind is filled with past things and future fears and, 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 and my mind is, it, it, the filter of it gets off sometimes of how I'm thinking about things and how it's affecting me and I need mental healing and prayer brings that to my life. But sometimes it's not physical, sometimes it's not mental, sometimes it's a deeper place in our soul and those places where anger resides, bitterness resides, A deep level of fear resides, pain resides, pain from loss, pain from confusion, pain when hope is taken. Pain that happens in these deep places that we don't like to show people. When prayer is activated, I think God meets us in those places, and there's like an ointment of healing that happens in our life where we need Him to get to the deepest places of our soul, and prayer is that vehicle that gets that place for us. We're allowing God in to do it only He can do in our lives. There are effects of prayer and my life, and I am not the same when I don't live in a life of prayer, which is why this is our fifth anchor. That's why our fifth anchor is, is an often underused and undervalued resource. I think sometimes we can just take it for granted that it's available, but we only access it in certain times when Jesus wasn't that way. He didn't just go when he needed it. He just lived a life of prayer. This anchor is we need to be anchored to prayer to build the relationship with God needed to live the life we are created for. You and I need to be anchored to prayer to build this relationship with God So we can live the life that He has called you to Created you for That He has for each and every one of us We are missing out when we don't pray Prayer is not meant to be a task Prayer is meant to be a gift And it is not always natural for me I don't mind telling you that My brokenness In myself Doesn't always say, man, I gotta pray But the Holy Spirit reminds me Scott, it's time To retreat Don't forget, step away From the distractions, from the temptations From the stresses, from the people That retreat to this intentional time Alone, to retreat So that You can make a personal connection with me, and and, and you can express love, and you can express surrender, and you can express um, uh, gratitude, you can express need. Like these are all things that God wants us to do with Him. Because you do need a peace, you do need the hope. You need all that Jesus is trying to get from God the Father that we need to get from God the Father. So this morning is a quick challenge for you. Is will you start out, if prayer's not part of your life, just will you commit to saying, God, I'll pray for five minutes a day. I told you about the guy who committed to to reading the Bible every day. In that first 15 or 20 minutes, he says, God, it's changed everything. What if we spent minimum of just five And what you're doing? Just like I said, express love, God. I see who you are. I'm, I, I, I love what you've done and what you're doing in my life. You, you express surrender. You're God and I am not. You, you express a gratitude of the working life. Then you express, this is what I need today. I need you to go before me. I need you to bring a healing. I need wisdom and discernment. I need you fill in the blank. We all have them. What if you stepped away and prayer became part of your life? Would you experience a part of of God that you've never experienced before? And would this anchor you from drifting? God in heaven, you want to connect with us in relationship. You want to sit at our table. You want to sit with us and be in relationship with us and be part of our life. But God, we need to be intentional about building that relationship and there's no better way than a life of prayer. Conversation with you. Connection with you. God, there may be people in here today who come to church but still don't feel close to you. Can come here every week but don't feel your presence. But God, your presence is with us. But God, may you help us become more aware of your presence. And as we pray, we see you right there with us. God, there may be someone here today watching online or in this room today who doesn't have a relationship with you and God, may we just submit to you and say, Jesus, forgive me. My life is yours. Your death on the cross leads me to die to myself. My life is yours. And help me build a relationship with you. God, help us not walk through life in settling when we need you so much. God, I pray for conviction on every person, including myself, that your Holy Spirit speaks to us, even nags us, puts it in our mind. Have you spent time with the one that loves you most? And God, that we would stop, pull away from what's going on, and just spend time communicating God, I pray that we be a church of prayer, because we are a church that is weak without you, lost without you, and we want a deep relationship with you. It's your name we Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.